0: You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. As we get started this morning, let me offer a prayer for us as we enter into Scripture. God, you are our source of light, and by your word, you give light to our soul. So we pray that you'd pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that our hearts and minds will be opened. Amen. So we're continuing together this morning through the book of Hebrews, and we've been looking together at the ways in which the author of Hebrews talks about how Jesus is greater than. And throughout the book, the author continues to make the same point kind of over and over again that all of history is really pointing to Jesus. And so what I wanted to do was to look this morning at Hebrews chapter 11 in just a minute. If you're familiar with that, you'll know it as the Hall of Faith. It's a a who's who of everyone who's done something amazing in the Bible. The the big names, the the Josephs, the Moses, the Rahabs, the, the big names. And so, I wanted to think about not who they were at the end of their life, but who they were in their first steps of faith. There's a podcast that I enjoyed listening to, um, and it's called the Making Obama Podcast. It was a kind of part of a larger series of making, and it talks about kind of, as we call them, origin stories of some of the folks that we know today. And what this podcast started off by doing in episode one was kind of talking about Obama in the early days. And The story begins with his climb from Chicago and then goes to uh, his platform, of course, on the national stage. But episode one opens with an interview with the pastor of Lilydell Baptist Church in the south side of Chicago. Uh, And as the pastor tells the story, it's 1985. His office in his church has a, a series of glass windows on the wall that overlook the street. And at that point in his day, he'd already had two people stop by looking for food or for money, from the church. And as he looks out this row of glass windows, he sees another man coming down the street, and he thinks to himself, here comes number three for the day. And and as he tells the story, you can kind of hear the, "Ah," in his voice, like, okay, we're going to help, but there's a lot of things going on. And so he sees that this young man looks a little bit different. He's got his sleeves rolled up, and as he came in, he didn't ask for money. He just asked the pastor for about 15 minutes of his time, He wanted to know about the South Side community, about some of the challenges, about some of the problems. And he identified himself as a community worker, someone who's helping to organize and to to reshape the community. And the pastor reflects, he says, there was a 24-year-old, Barack Obama, who walked into his office that day. And humorously, the pastor says, he didn't seem like much, and I didn't think he'd amount to anything. (laughs) Jen White, the host of the podcast, Jumps into this point and says, 23 years later, that young man who was mistaken as a panhandler outside of a church would be elected the first African American president of the United States. And this is such a powerful story to me because it reminds me that all the greats begin somewhere, that each of us have a beginning place in our journey of faith and in our life. And a lot of times we look at folks at the end of their time or after they've accomplished everything. And we begin to wonder, how in the world could I ever do something like that? And so I want to rewind the tape back this morning. I want to think about some of our first steps of faith, some of our first actions in the faith, because I think that'll help us to understand the movement of what God is doing in our lives and the impact that it can have. As I mentioned, we're going to be looking this morning at Hebrews chapter 11. It's uh, the description of faith. So if you want to follow along in your phone or your Bible, feel free to. It's a list, after we read in a few minutes, of all the big names. And sometimes when I read this list, I begin to kind of imagine kind of walking through a, a large cathedral. There's statues on either side of all of these great names and all these great faces. And, and one of the ones that it reminded me of, I haven't been there, but I've seen this photo before. Who's been to Westminster Abbey? You, okay, there's a section called uh, the Modern Martyrs. And it's a collection of These individual saints, as we call them, who in the last uh, couple of decades or centuries have given their life. So we'll see individuals up here like uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We'll also see individuals like uh, Oscar Romero, the assassinated Archbishop of El Salvador, and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German priest who stood up in the time of Nazis and stood up to Hitler, and of course lost his life because of that. And so when we look at this wall, and we could go on and name a bunch of names here, these are the greats of our faith. These are the ones who have paved the way, who have took a stand even if it cost them their lives because they believed in who God was or were the wrong of what they saw. And so I want to invite us to kind of frame it this way as we begin to look at Hebrews chapter 11. So we'll look together beginning in verse 1 and 2, and then we'll take a pause and read further. It says, Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. The elders in the past, so kind of referring to all those who've gone before, the elders in the past were approved because they showed faith. Take me back one. Oh, no, that was, the, that was right. Um, the author goes on to name a bunch of people and then gets to verse 32 a lot later and says, I could name many more but essentially, I've kind of run out of papyrus is the idea there, right? There are many more of these individuals that we could put on this list. Now, the double-edged sword of a list that we're about to read are like the modern martyrs about these individuals that we know today whose lives just show the power of what God can do. We can begin to think to ourselves, like, I could never have that kind of faith. Right? I couldn't have the faith of a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right, or an Oscar Romero or a Dr. King. Like, that's not me. So we're going to explore this morning, how does a hero in the faith get their start? And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue looking at some of the passages and some of the individuals who are talked about in the scripture, and we know them for their big thing. We know the big Bible story that they talked about. But what we're also going to do is we're going to look at their first step of faith. As best we can tell from scripture, not what was their last encounter with God, what was their first. And I I hope that we'll see something surprising, but also something very ordinary. So I want to begin, uh, as the author begins, in just a few verses down in 7, with Noah. It says, By faith, Noah responded with godly fear when he was warned about the events he hadn't yet seen. He built an ark to deliver his household. With his faith, he criticized the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes from faith. So, of course, we know, and because it tells us, uh, Noah built an ark. We know that's the amount of faith. that no, We know that's kind of the end, not the end of the story, but the end of that. But I want to look back because the story is detailed in Genesis chapter 6, and I've combined together verse 13 and 22. And this is Noah's first interaction with God. God said to Noah, The end has come for all creatures, since they have filled the earth with violence, I'm now about to destroy them along with the earth. There's a couple more parts of the instructions that God offers. And then in verse 22, it says, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded them. The way the author of Genesis outlines this is there's about four accounts where God details something to Noah and they all respond or end with, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded. And what I see here. In a very simple term, is God spoke, and Noah listened, and did. There's a lot more that comes from that, but in a very basic term, God spoke, and Noah listened. We can't control God speaking, but we can control our listening, right? So at the very basic step there. One of the next passages that shows up, again, back in Hebrews, verse 8 says, By faith, so we're on to the next statue in the line here. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. That feels like an apt description of me many mornings. I went out without knowing where I was going. I want to rewind the tape back. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is the beginning of the story. Before he was Abraham, he was Abram. Abraham becomes the name that is given to him as a result of his faithfulness and his work. But back then, before all that, he was just Abram, just like everybody else. And again, the Lord said to him, leave your land, your family, your father's household for the land that I will show you. And the story goes on that Abraham did these things. It's amazing because when we think about it, it's a call to leave his land, his home base, his family, his family. That'd be kind of his extended family, which we rely on for everything from kind of, hey, can you watch the kids? To, um, hey, I need a meal because everybody's sick, right? To leave those things and your father's household, which would have been his family name. That was his reputation in the community. And he was called by God to set all those things aside to go to a new place where God was leading him to do something fresh. And so in this one, again, at the very basic place, God said and called Abram, and Abram went and did. A lot of things will unfold from that, but at the very basic place, God called Abram, and he went, geographically, to a new place. Another hero in the faith is Joseph. And uh, again, back into Hebrews, Hebrews 11.22 tells us that by faith, Joseph recalled the exodus of the Israelites at the end of his life gave instructions about burying his bones. Now, that's the way that Hebrews recounts it, but a little more of Joseph's story is that Joseph, there's many stories, but Joseph becomes second in line to Pharaoh. Joseph is trusted for his wisdom and for his understanding of what's happening beyond uh, the seen world. And in a time in the world where there was a, a drastic famine, where not just Egypt, but all nations surrounding were hungry, because Joseph had a dream where God showed him that this was going to happen. He began to use the Egyptian resources to store up grain. And because of that, Egypt was able to provide grain for itself and for all the other nations around in a time of famine. It was all because of Joseph's resourcefulness. So those are the big things we know him for. He fed the known world in a time of famine. It's huge. But Joseph's story doesn't begin in a huge way. Uh, it tells us, I'm sorry, I got ahead I got of myself there on that one. Leave me if you'll take me back one. When Joseph began his life, he began as the youngest of all of his siblings. Where are my youngest siblings at? <laughs> Y'all can relate to Joseph, right? The, well, Where are my oldest siblings at? We, we have no idea what that struggle is like. <laughs> but Joseph was the youngest of all of his brothers. And so everything that that entails was on his shoulders. And Joseph's thing was that he would have these, these vivid dreams from God of what was going to happen in the future. And now you can imagine younger siblings, when you shared these dreams with your older siblings, how they just put you off. And were are like, you know, you're silly, you're young, you're the baby, like just go back and play. And they would get upset because his dreams would speak of things like reversing the roles, where the younger brother would become the leader of all. And us older siblings really don't care for that kind of thing. There's a birth order. Don't mess it up. And so Joseph begins as the youngest, kind of the last of the last. He dreams of the future. His dreams anger his brothers because they mess up the order. But here's what he did at a very basic level. He simply shared the truth of God as he knew it. He was learning about who this God was from these dreams. And all he was doing was simply sharing that with others. And so the little step in his life that began was he learned about God and he shared it with others. He found a way to share what he knew. I want to look at Moses, who's the next one listed. And it says, by faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months when he was born because they saw that the child was beautiful and they weren't afraid of the king's orders continue on here back in the back of the story here we'll come to this in just a second we know the story of moses who grew up of course and leads the exodus from egypt who leads the israelites all through the desert but that's not where his story begins it begins in exodus 3 4 and it says when the lord saw that he was coming to look god called him out of the bush moses moses and moses said here i am this is his burning bush experience And it's the moment where he encounters God. But I want to take us back a little bit further from that too. Because Moses' story doesn't really begin here as we oftentimes think it does at this burning bush. Moses' story begins when he, as a Hebrew, is enslaved like other Hebrews in Egypt. And he notices that one of the Hebrews uh, is being uh, abused and beaten by an Egyptian. And this angers him so much, this injustice that he sees, that he lashes out and kills the Egyptian. Then he runs into the desert. Now, hear me on this one. The advocacy for this is not (laughs) kind of the taking of that into our own hands. But here's what I think is one of the key early steps, one of the core memories, if we want to call it that, in Moses' life. He saw injustice. He was compelled to do something. He understood that this was not the way that God would want the world ordered. He did something. That was one of the early steps of faith in his life. He had no idea where that would lead him. He had no idea that in fleeing to the desert, he would encounter a burning bush and then be the one to lead God's people out and through the desert and to the edge of the promised land. All he knew in that moment was he saw something wrong and he had to do something. The last one I want us to look at this morning is the story of Rahab. And Hebrews tells us that by faith, if you notice all these start with by faith, Rahab the prostitute wasn't killed with the disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. Hard to read a story like that and kind of capture everything behind it. But Rahab was a resident of the city of Jericho in the Old Testament. And Jericho at this point was surrounded by the Israelite army. You may remember this from reading the Bible or from... Veggie Tales, one of the two. But at this point, the city is surrounded, and it's quite certain that its future is lost. And Israel's bearing down, and the plan is to really just destroy this entire city. And Rahab helps the spies escape. Because of this, her life is redeemed. And she's actually named in the New Testament in the lineage of Jesus. Like if you want to talk about a big thing, you're named in the lineage of Jesus. That's a a pretty big thing. That's a pretty hard one for us to say, like, how do we we line up to something like that? But the beginning of Rahab's story is she was a, a Canaanite, and she was a prostitute, and that wasn't necessarily a choice that anyone made at that point in time. It was more of a reality. And she was in a city about to be captured, and her first instinct was to offer hospitality. The spies from Israel come in to kind of scope out the city. She welcomes them into her house, gives them a place to stay. So, her first step of faith was to offer what we call radical hospitality. Not just hospitality to those who it's easy to, but hospitality to your potential conquerors. Maybe there was some hope in that 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 might bode well for her. But the beginning step of faith was hospitality to a neighbor, to a stranger. And so, what I wanted to show this morning was not the big things but the little things. And so I want to remind us just a list of what we heard so far. The beginning steps of faith were listening, we're feeling a call, not necessarily even taking the call yet, but, but feeling the call. Going somewhere else, sharing what we know about God, seeing injustice around us, and offering hospitality. We may look at a list like this and say, these are not things that would change the world. And yet they did. And yet they're stories that we still tell on a rainy Sunday morning in 2022. These are the seeds of faith. And I'm confident of this, that none of these individuals that we just named began their life thinking to themselves, I'm going to change the world. Instead, I think they felt called to do what God prompted. And here was the key they chose to be faithful. They chose to take a step that would probably make each of them uncomfortable. And as I thought about this, I thought to myself, you know, how many of these heroes and how many of my heroes began their life thinking, I'm going to be someone's hero? I, I almost think that the flip side of this is in order to become a hero, you have to not try to become a hero. It's this idea that what makes someone in this case, great, which makes someone uh, faithful is that they simply try to find each day to do the small everyday steps of faithfulness. Maybe stuff that others don't notice, but the things that they feel God placing on their hearts. You see, what all these folks have in common was that they were faithful to God, and they tried to find an everyday practical way to do that. So I want us to keep this list in mind this morning, because uh, just like it was for them, these are many of the same ways that God is working in and through us today. These are the same steps of faithfulness that we are invited to take. So I want to rewind the tape a little further, because we know their first faithful step. But again, I want to rewind the tape a little further before that, and I want to talk about uh, what that looks like for us. So the good news is that our faithfulness can make an actual difference in the world right? But before that, the greater news is that God knows us, that God seeks us, and that God calls us, even still. The common thread in each of these stories was that God was at work first, that long before they had a sense of what God was doing or who they would become, God was already working in them. And what we see here is that each one of them found a way to trust God with their life and the circumstances as they were handed. And that God, in each case, proved trustworthy. And these are good stories for us because in the midst of going through things, it's hard to remember that God is trustworthy. It's hard to remember that God is faithful. It's often only when we can look back that we can say, yes, God was faithful. And that helps me to trust in the middle of where I am now. And so I want to invite us to reflect this morning, what call are you hearing? What is your next step of faith? Or what is your first step of faith this morning to perhaps trust in Jesus? And what I'm sure is that each one of these people, when they heard that first call, that first nudge, that first kind of warmed heart, saw that first injustice, that all of them probably felt unsure, untrained, and unqualified. Most of the times when God shows up in the Bible, whether it's an angel showing up, it's a surprise, right? It's a, it's a who me? All of these individuals probably thought when God came and called them like, like me? I, I'm, the one, I'm the one you want to do this through? And so I think we can find a reality with that. Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, on down the line, their first thought was probably, wait, what? For real? It's that sense of Like, God, almost an overwhelming sense of, God, how would you know even who I am, much less have this plan for my life? Don't you know that there's better people out there to do these things? And so I want to invite us to consider, what is your next faithful step? What is our next faithful step as a community together? And we might wonder to ourselves, how do we know know what God is calling us to do? we can go back to that list again. It's by listening through prayer. It's by feeling a call. It's by sharing the things we know to be true about God. It's about seeing injustice. It's about offering hospitality. I think calls are most oftentimes found in our everyday lives. John Wesley called these the means of grace. And the means of grace were five of the primary ways that we experience God's presence or voice in a regular and ongoing way. Now, anytime I put this list up, it's not surprising. Like, you don't have to buy the book to get the rest of them, like most of the things we see. You know, there's not like a kind of a hack to this. The means of grace, the ways that we primarily engage with God is through prayer, through searching the Scripture, through the Lord's Supper, which is sharing the communion meal together, through fasting, which we often think of as primarily giving up food, but there are many things that we can set aside for a season in order to draw closer to God. And in community. Community like this. Community like a couple of folks who might go to lunch afterwards just to spend time together or meet up during the week or a craft night or something like that. Ways that we share life together. And there's nothing magical about these except for the fact that these are the ways that we primarily encounter God. Today, today, In history, through scripture, it's the same. I call these the usual ways or the everyday actions. So I want to invite us to think about this morning that what is your next step of faith as an individual? I jotted down a list just to kind of get your brain thinking, but God is way too big for me to kind of narrow it down into a box. But I want to simply just invite our minds to think. Maybe for you, your next step is a first step. It's a First choice to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's begin to discover what it means to reorient your life around God's way. Maybe for others, it's uh, someone raising their hand to say, I'll volunteer to teach a grow group. Or for someone raising their hand and saying, you know, I'd like to be a part of a grow group. Never been, never done that before, a Bible study, but I'd like to try that out. Maybe it's someone saying, hey, I'll organize some friends and neighbors and we'll put together some Thanksgiving baskets for someone else. Maybe it's a commitment to prayer or searching the scriptures in a daily way. Maybe you don't do that for two hours a day, but imagine the impact that five minutes a day could have. I want to invite us to think about perhaps a first step might be reaching out to a counselor or therapist to, to find the help for the things that we're facing in everyday life. Maybe it might be opening your home to foster care. Maybe it might be a call from something to something, a call from someone to someone. I don't pretend to know all the ways that God is working. I simply wanted to begin to get us thinking about what is that still, small voice of God saying to us? How is God calling us at this time, at this place in our lives? God has been faithful and trustworthy. God will be faithful and trustworthy. And what's the step we're called to today? And maybe like me, you wonder to yourself, well, how do I know the difference between something I'm making up for myself and something that God has for me? And just like any time that we garden, it's hard to know exactly what we planted, if that was the right seed until something begins to sprout up from the ground. And we say, okay, that's exactly what that was. In Galatians, uh, Paul gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And so a call from God, as we begin to pursue it, will begin to manifest these kinds of things. It will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I wish that they would add to this comfort, convenience, ease, fits into a nine-to-five, right? Allows me to stay where I am. The call of God does not always keep us comfortable and easy. But the call of God in our lives will begin to produce the kind of work that brings out these kinds of things in us and in those who are interacting with the call that we have. And so these become the ways that we can tell the fruit of the seed that's been planted. If it begins to lead to other things that are contrary to this, then we might say, you know, maybe I I got something wrong in that and I need to revisit it talk to others, and figure out where I may have missed it. But the things of God always bring about these kinds of things because it's the Spirit's work in us and through us. And so I want to simply remind us this morning that in our lives, God always makes the first move. Maybe some in this room will find themselves at the end of their life or even in life after life as a a hero of the faith. Ironically, if our goal is to become that, we probably won't get there, right? Because the goal is faithfulness. The goal isn't fame or fortune. The goal is simply faithfulness. And we always celebrate God's faithfulness in the big things, the the exoduses, right? The burning bushes, the changed lives, the big celebratory stuff. But faithfulness is found in the everyday small actions that we make. The decisions that sometimes are only in our consciousness that we choose to do or choose not to do because we sense that's how God's leading us and calling us. And so I want to invite us to think not on the the macro level, but on the micro level. And to remember once again that God is trustworthy. And though the call that you may be sensing or may sense in the days and weeks ahead may feel challenging or daunting, maybe it seems as promising as a a 24-year-old Community organizer making any real difference in Southside Chicago or even beyond that. But Hebrews reminds us that we are approved by our faith, not for what we can accomplish, but simply for saying yes to Jesus each day. Sometimes we'll get it right, many times we'll get it wrong, but in each of those, we keep choosing to follow Jesus, keep saying yes, and God keeps revealing and leading us. In the ways that we can serve God and serve others. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you. Thanks for listening.